Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark. This was due to be an original episode, but life's gotten in the way a little bit in the last couple of weeks, so I'm going to be going back to the archives again. This original episode is on false cause correlation error, recorded with my father, Jeff Clark. In this episode, we're really taking a good look at Jenny McCarthy, the uh, actress um, who really led the anti-vaccine charge uh, in the US. Um, She associated vaccines with her son getting autism and then kind of you know put two and two together and came up with five um luckily in the last few years the anti-vaccination lobbies around the world have been getting a lot of pushback against them in australia has done a really great job with that in particular the australian skeptics and the um uh, lobby against the australian anti-vaccination network and the u.s as well seems to have died down a bit but however it's still still an still an issue um, Jenny McCarthy doesn't seem to be getting as many media appearances or anything like that as, as, as much as she was at this time. However, it's really enlightening to see how the false cause correlation error can really lead you down a rat hole of bad thinking. Um, so without further ado, let's have a listen to this original episode. Welcome to Hunting Humbug 101 with me, Theo Clark, and I'm joined with my father, Jeff Clark. G'day, Dad. How you going? Hi, Theo. Good, thanks. And in today's podcast, we are going to look at look at the fallacy, um, false cause correlation error, and we're doing it within a particular um, framework. The framework being the idiocy of Jenny McCarthy. Jenny McCarthy, for those of you who don't know, um, is a uh, an actress and Playboy playmate, and now um, supposed expert on autism. Um, but we'll look at that. Talk a little bit more about that later. Um, But for starters, we will read from the book, uh, False Cause Correlation Error. Okay, other terms we use for false cause or correlation error. Um, Post hoc ergo propter hoc, which is Latin for after this, therefore because of this. Uh, false association and superstitious belief. The description we give of the fallacy, this fallacy is a result of the common human tendency to associate events which occur in sequence and to assume that there is a causal link. When an advocate claims that there is a causal relationship between two events, he or she needs to give a plausible reason beyond simple association. If the advocate cannot do this, he or she is probably in error. There are two possible levels of false association. The relationship may simply be apparent rather than real, for example coincidence. In this case the error is a false cause because there is no causal relationship. Or the second type, there may be an actual link, but the direction of cause and effect claimed by the advocate is incorrect. In this case the fallacy is correlation error because the cause and effect are reversed or indirectly related. Examples. First example is the false cause. Trixie Trendy Chump has just opened up her new business card business, the business card business. One week after opening, her total sales amounts to one pack of 50 cards for the local gravel merchant. She's talking to her husband, Bevan Chump Trendy, about how she can improve sales. 
I was reading recently about how Beijing is going through an economic boom. Now everyone in China practices Feng Shui. They don't even think about setting up a shop without consulting a Feng Shui guru to make sure the energy lines of the store are con conducive to business. Bevan responds, So what you're saying is that Feng Shui has made Beijing money, so why not you? Sounds good to me. And uh, an example of the second type correlation error, Aaron Fiberglass is writing up his report on the link between self-esteem and obesity. He concludes, There was a correlation of 0.8 between morbid obesity and low self-esteem. We need to raise the self-esteem of obese people to help them overcome their weight problem. Comment. In the first example, Trixie and Bevan assume that there is a causal link between Feng Shui and economic prosperity. However, if Beijing is undergoing economic growth and its citizens happen to practice Feng Shui, it does not follow that Feng Shui is the cause of the economic growth. This relationship may simply be apparent rather than real, that is, a coincidence. To establish whether or not Feng Shui can influence economic prosperity, systematic tests would need to be conducted. In fact, at any one time, a great many cities around the world are going through economic growth. Few, if any, city administrators give any consideration to Feng Shui. There are no doubt a great many other cities in China where Feng Shui is practiced. What is their economic activity like? The seeker after truth should always ask questions which go beyond mere association and look for alternative possibilities. In the second example, Aaron claims low self-esteem causes obesity. However, on the evidence presented, causation could be in the opposite direction. Obesity could be the cause of low self-esteem, or both could be caused by a third unidentified variable. To a sceptical scientist, such, as, such a strong correlation between obesity and low self-esteem is potentially of great interest, but a series of follow-up studies would ne be needed to determine the nature of the correlation and the direction of causation. False cause can have very serious consequences. For example, the false cause fallacy, generally European Dark Ages, led to the widespread belief that illness, famine and personal misfortune was caused by black magic and sorcery. Such beliefs led to witch hunts, and literally witch hunts, and un unfounded but widely believed accusations of sorcery. The absence of scepticism in communities wallowing in superstition led to the burning to death of innocents falsely accused of witchcraft. In the present day, the false cause fallacy has led, for example, to premature or unnecessary deaths of cancer patients due to diversion from effective treatments to ineffective or harmful treatments offered by quacks or frauds. So that was false cause correlation error. And as we said in the introduction, we're going to be looking at Jenny McCarthy, uh, the Hollywood uh, actress slash uh, celebrity, and in particular looking at her arguments for different causes in autism. But as you'll see, that it's just a plethora of false causes involved. And in the case of um, false causes, it is really difficult to establish what is an actual cause for something. And so in order to do that, you need, you know, you need to control your variables um, in order to remove confounded variables. Uh, you know, and that's what the scientific method is for, and that's what experiments are designed for, is to rule out false causes, and especially in removing correlation er errors as well. And so it's really important to understand that's why you do science in the first place. 
Yeah, I think um, uh, it's a natural tendency for human beings to um, look for patterns, and really that's contributed to our survival as a species. Um, so in hunting for food and that kind of thing, um, recognising patterns, looking at, a diff at its link between seasons and growth or the movement of animals. Um, but when we're at, a, at the level of sophistication we are now, we have to eliminate false um, causes and um, we have to recognise we have this pattern uh, identifying tendency and we have to be careful about how we use it and more systematic about how we use it. Yeah, I mean, we can get you know false positives all the time and um, we do that because you know we over-pattern recognise and you can see that we've got an evolutionary advantage in doing that. I mean, you've got um, the... You know, you see some, something that looks like eyes in the bush and that could be a jaguar. You see a stick on the ground and that could be a snake. And, you know, 99 times out of 100, that's going to be, you know, not the case. It's going to be false. But there's that one time that it will save your life. And so there's an evolutionary advantage in over-pattern recognising. But, uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll move on now to the actual, um, the bulk of the podcast, which is looking at uh, this Jenny McCarthy clip, which I... Uh, got from YouTube, um, it was her on Larry King Live, Larry King, the, obviously the talk show journalist, or journalist, it's probably not the right word, um, host uh, in the US, and I watched this and it was just fallacy after fallacy, it was a complete gold mine uh, in terms of what we do is looking for different examples of fallacies, so I thought we would um, do a kind of a series on the fallacies of Jenny McCarthy, just off this one show on Larry King Live. I'm also going to cross-post uh, these different um, uh, ones we do on Jenny McCarthy on YouTube, and I'll obviously put up links to those too, so you can uh, watch the, the the tutorial or you can listen to it. The listening version will be a, a little bit longer than the watching version. The listening version will include the audio from the book and so on, but certainly it's another way of trying to um, spread the message of the idiocy uh, that is Jenny McCarthy, as well as a bit of learning about um, critical thinking. For those of you who don't rem know much about Jenny McCarthy, she was a, um, a Playboy playmate. Um, that's how she started a career, and then she uh, got into you know acting and so on. She wrote some books about parenting. And then her son got autism, so she started promoting autism. I do take issue with that because she is an advocate of scientific, unscientific, wishful thinking. She's not an ad autism advocate. So let's get into it. In a major program tonight with lots of featured guests, we begin, of course, with Jenny McCarthy, the actress and entertainment personality. Her son, Evan, has autism, and she tells Evan's story in her best-selling memoir, Louder Than Words, A Mother's Journey in Healing... Autism, she's also on our website today with a kind of brilliant episode about all of this. Yeah, so that first bit, obviously, I mean, the as he says, Larry King says, uh, we've got Jenny McCarthy, obviously we're going to start with her. Like, yeah, obviously you would start with the celebrity talking about autism because they're the expert. Yeah, this is, uh, well, we've, we've called it appeal to celebrity in a different context, but... Um, Celebrities are highly visible and they, they almost seem to feel as though they have an entitlement to have their views taken seriously just because of their celebrity. And of course the media 
are anxious to um, support that because they're um, they're photogenic, they're um, on call, uh, they're self publicists and all the rest, so they're very easy. And it, it, no TV station in its right mind would say. Um, they, they do vox pops in the street where they ask people about, say, autism, but they ask a lot of different random people. But they would never ask Joe Bloggs, who is unknown, uh, yeah, to come and, 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 and do a whole program or co-host and stuff like this. So the celebrity seems to carry weight simply because of their celebrity, and, of course, that's an absolute nonsense. Mm. No, um, and, and the thing is, as... The thing uh, that you know, it's on World Autism Day, and it's not fair enough to get a high-profile person to who's you know related to it to be there to promote it or so on. But he actually has her on there, as you'll see, like talking to her as if she's an expert, um, and it, it's just absurd. And the thing is, everyone goes along with it, and you think, oh, you know, Jenny McCarthy says it, it must be true. You know, that's it. It's it's not like an appeal to authority where where someone says oh you know doctor so and so says this therefore it must be true but it's related to that in this the weight of what a celebrity says makes something more appealing and gives gives it the publicity and then that makes that become a truth and so even though it's not a an appeal to authority in terms of so and so as an expert would know that the appeal to celebrity works by by simply getting that message out there and then eventually that message becomes a truth because it's it's set up it becomes a factoid you know in fact it propagates a factoid. Yeah, I must declare a bias here too because um, I have the personal belief, which I can't justify scientifically, that any celebrity anywhere in the world at any time is a complete airhead, and is <laughs> and his and their opinions are absolutely worthless, except as a guide to forming your own opinion, which should be the opposite, <laughs> the opposite of the yeah, celebrity. Yeah. But but you know, I, I don't have full justification for that, but. I think anyone. Well, I think Sharon Stone didn't she study to get a PhD in maths or something? That's what her publicists try and get out there. So she must be a genius. Yeah, yeah um, that must be smart. No, uh, and that's that's the thing about this is there's nothing wrong with celebrities um, using them as a hook, you know, to get you into the show. Yeah. But um, you know, using her like as she's the keynote speaker, I don't think so. Um, and. and Celebrities also, if they have some kind of personal reason for, you know, trying to raise money or awareness about something, that's fine. But it, but she doesn't. She does more than that. She then advocates for a particular viewpoint. So she's not out there just raising. If she was out there just raising money for autism, and that was it. That's fantastic. Yes. But she's actually out there advocating a particular um, treatment, and she is not in a position to do that because she is, doesn't actually know. Well, I mean, just the evidence has been pointed out to her, but she's not really. She's unable to understand it, and you know, given she's her career is basically a playboy playmate, um, that's really not um, a surprise. I, I can I can see what you're saying about raising money and so on, but I, I, I again must declare that my belief is that any money raised by a celebrity for any cause is hopelessly contaminated with the evil <laughs> that that lies underneath every celebrity. Sorry. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I'm just, not going to go quite that that bad, that quite as far as you go, because I'm happy to take money from anybody. So if any celebrities happens to listen to this, although we've got like you know our ten listeners that are out there, um, if one of you happens to be a celebrity, if you want to send money my way, I'm happy to take it if it's contaminated or not. It doesn't bother me. Um, but yeah, look, and and it, let's move on to more of the serious section of it. Uh, so we'll play the next section now. Okay. What do you think of what CNN's doing today? Oh, I think it's about time. I think they need to do a World Autism Day. It's a global epidemic, and it's not going to get any better until change is implemented. 
You shared a story before. Give us a little history of Evan and autism. Sure. Evan was diagnosed with autism just before the age of three. He started having seizures, was what made me lead to look for more answers. One of the seizures went into cardiac arrest. It's something that we still, you know, have to deal with, but soon after those seizures, he was diagnosed with autism. What'd you do about it? Um, instead of, you know, leaving it as a dead-end, you know, diagnosis, I went online, and I found a community called Defeat Autism Now. And for 12 years, thank God, this community of doctors and scientists who have been healing and treating kids with autism, I believed enough, even though my pediatrician at the time said it's all bull, and followed this treatment, and my son got better. Yeah, so I mean, look, again, it's it's a really sad story, as it always is in these cases, but uh, in that case there, she's making the classic um, type of false cause correlation error called the regression fallacy, where um, someone's ill or something like that, so you go to the doctors and you, you've got a cold or something, and you take some tablets, and then you get better, and you go, oh, wow, the tablets may be better, or you go see your... Um, uh, chiropractor for your sore back and within six weeks of treatment all of a sudden your back's better and you go oh wow they made it better but the regression fallacy version is that with any kind of phenomena uh, you regress away from you go you move away from the mean so the the average kind of you know whether you're healthy or not and then eventually you come back to that mean so in terms of uh, sore backs about 80% of bad backs um, and don't quote me on where I got this number, but 80% of you know sore backs just get better on their own. So people go to a chiropractor and they get treatment, and then within six weeks their back's better, and they go, oh, it was a chiropractor. But unless you run that study, you know, unless you run that simultaneously with, say, your twin brother or sister who's also got a bad back and they don't go, how do you know it wouldn't have happened anyway? Um, so that's the whole purpose of doing big controlled studies is to compare two groups, a treatment group and a and a, just a group that doesn't get a treatment, and you see whether it was the treatment or whether something got better. So in that case there, no doubt, um, when some, a child's developing, whether they're autistic or not, they're going to change in what they're doing. So there's no way of her knowing um, if whatever she did has made a slight difference because you can't tell her on just from what one has happened to one person. Yeah, it, it, in fact, what she did could have even impeded a recovery which was happening anyway and made it happen less uh, quickly, and she wouldn't know. I, on right. the 80% of bad backs getting better, I, I know where you got that figure. I, I told you, <laughs> and I think I think before that you told me. Yeah, okay. So it's, it's, it's a pretty sound figure. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't heard anyone dispute it. No, I um, not, 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 uh, as of time of recording, nobody's disputed it. Nobody's disputed that fact. Yeah. So as yeah. far as I'm concerned, it's established. Yeah. <laughs> and you can reference us if you want to use it too, because we're 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 obviously the Absolutely. gold standard. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and look, I mean, that's the thing. As you said, it could be the opposite way around. There's no way to tell that she can tell from a you know sample of one is 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 the cause. And so, with a sample of one, how can you tell? That's the whole. That's why science comes in and and gets a big group and and tries. You know, one treatment on one group and does nothing on the other, or, or a sham treatment on the other, and we can see whether actually has been a real effect or not. And it's just such a classic thing that people do something like that and they go, "Oh wow, it must have worked for me." And you go, "Well, my simple response is, well, that's a sample of one, so you need to get a bigger cohort for me to, you know, feel that you've got any kind of uh, decent argument to make." But again, you know, it's understandable that people think that because she's thinking that she got her kid injections, it's given her kid autism, so it's kind of her fault. And now she's trying to cure him so she can feel better about it too. So it is understandable. But it, with her um, level, status level, she's doing a lot of damage. 
Yeah, uh, the, ir the irony is that she she should feel guilty about uh, what she's doing um, in terms of whipping cough and German measles to, to, to all, the, all the kids whose parents are persuaded not to get immunisations. Well, that leads that's nicely that's into the, um, the next section where she starts talking, crapping on about um, immunisation. Okay. Well, the schedule back in 1983 was 10 shots given. Today, there are 36 shots given. Too many, too soon. When I was in the show before, I said, we need an alternate schedule. This is too much. We need to get rid of the toxins, the mercury, which I'm so tired of everyone saying it's been removed. It has not been removed from the shots. We'll get into that later more. Aluminum, ether, antifreeze. These are toxic ingredients in shots that need to be removed. As you know, we have doctors here. Some agree with you, some don't. Uh, what was the reason for the increase to so many shots? Oh, God, I can't wait for you to ask that question. I actually have a, a shot, you know, schedule here. That, uh, you can, ask, can you guys get in close on that? This is n not so good of a copy, but you can see 1983, the, sh the shot schedule was 10. 10 shots. Now widen out and take a look at the whole... Scott schedule now. 36 shots given. Why? And you visually see it. I'd like to know that we put our trust as parents into the pediatrician's well, office. The guess would be that discoveries were made. The discoveries were made, but you to know. To prevent a new disease. Why wouldn't you want to prevent a disease that hasn't been prevented before? Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's so um, obvious um, that. The thing that's missing here really is um, uh, the, the interviewer is not using critical thinking on our behalf. In other words, um, when when this celebrity comes on and they show this list of 10 shots and 36 shots and so on and says this is patently obvious, this is wrong and so on, um, the, the interviewer makes a lame sort of aside rather than um, y using a really analytical sort of forensic question um, and I, I think this is why um, there's so much misinformation out there is because um, journalists are simply not doing their job yeah oh well Larry Larry King has a history he's had on plenty of times he he agrees with her basically he's, he's had on psychics and things like that he loves all that crap so I mean he yeah that yeah, was a deliberate yeah. that question was a deliberately there to, to give her a chance to answer there was no critical bit to us a pseudo critical question but I mean the, yeah. the, the the main thing there is I mean, a couple of points. A, I don't know a great deal about how the, the manufacture of um, of uh, what are those things called? Immunisation vaccines. That's it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You know the the. But I do know that they have taken those ingredients out. So she's basically lying. They have. There's some minor in the manufacture of them. Some of those things are used, but they talk about you know. Um, uh, you know, hydrochloric acid is used in the manufacture of them, and of course they use that to titrate it to get it to the right level of um uh, to get the pH level right. So you know, they just they they simply just don't understand the science of it at all. Um, but but second of all, the the misuse she does there's has a misuse of information there, which is she shows up the ten uh, immunisation shots, then she shows up the thirty six, and then just puts it up there like that's a bad thing. And well, hang on a sec. Why is that necessarily bad? Wouldn't it necessarily be better? I mean, as as at least Larry King did say, because they work. And so basically she, the straw man there is, I mean, one of the things is that 
not only are there's more, but the actual types of um, viruses that they use in that to make the immunisations are now less likely to be uh, problematic because they've done more research into the safety of them. So they're actually getting better and better and safer and safer over this period of time, uh, which she basically puts those numbers up there to try and make it look look like it's a bad thing. So everyone goes, oh, wow, there's more. That's got to be worse. But hang on, if it was worse, then why would we give any at all? <laughs> so it's just a complete straw man that, that she's put up there and, and using those statistics, um, which basically are meaningless. There's just two numbers, 10 and 36, as if it means something yeah. because she just frowns and pouts, basically, and, and kind of gets angry. Well, the other thing is you can do a sort of thought experiment by saying, could she have made a dramatic show by reversing this? In other words, if there'd been 36 before and 10 now... And, and you can imagine a situation where she could say, look, there were 36 before and there are 10 now. That means they've themselves discovered that those, those yeah, uh, other yeah. 26 are, are actually causing disease. And that's why they've reduced the number of shots. So the thing is that wh- whatever she puts up there, she's going to use as evidence for her point of view. Yep, so it's unfalsifiable. Um, yeah, it is. She can just shift ground all the time. Yeah, 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 yeah it's spot on. Okay, we'll keep going. And isn't it ironic, in 1983 there was 10 shots and now there's 36, and the rise of autism happened at the same time, and parent after parent after parent says, I vaccinated my baby, they got a fever, and then they stopped speaking and then became autistic. Yeah, so just another correlation error there. So she's, you know, the the classic one there is vaccinated my baby, stopped speaking, that's it. But, of course, all you've got to do is look at groups of um, babies that aren't vaccinated and see that hey guess what they got autism at the same age too so just yeah, because those yeah. two things happen together doesn't mean there is a cause and there's been enough studies done that show there isn't um a direct causal link it's just happened they just happen to happen at the same time it's coincidental so i mean it's just a, a plain case there's no scientific evidence to back up there's a cause causal relationship it's just a correlation there are lots of other correlations you could have picked out too the other thing, Theo, is that once she pops up as a celebrity and get involved in this cause, what's going to happen is a lot of parents who are thinking that this might have happened to their child and so on are going to contact her and so on. So her, her, her looking for her human uh, tendency to look for patterns will be totally distorted by the fact that there are, you know, hundreds or uh, even thousands of parents contacting yeah, her and saying, yeah, yes, yeah. this happened to my child and so on. So all of these individual anecdotes will seem like data to her. Well, yeah, well, that's, and, that, and, that again and leads in nicely into the next section because that's exactly what she says. You must be psychic. And for the listeners, I'll tell you, uh, you haven't even haven't seen this yet, have you, Dad? You're just doing this on the fly. No, no. No, no so yeah. you must be psychic. Ooh, another correlation. Okay. Oh, <laughs> spooky, well, eh? Yeah, spooky. All right, let's have a listen to the next section then. <laughs> Okay. Is your link scientific or statistical? Well, I believe that parents' anecdotal information is science-based information. And when the entire world is screaming the same thing, Doctor, I came home. He had a fever. He stopped speaking and then became autistic. I can't, I can see if it was just one parent saying this. But when the, when so many, and I speak to thousands of moms every weekend, and they're all standing up and saying the same thing, it's time to start listening to that. That is science-based information. Parents' anecdotal information is science-based information. Yeah, that, that's really spooky how I um, preempted, anticipated, how I anticipated um, 
you know, what she was going to say. And I swear I, I, on I, my I, mother's life uh, that you have not seen that before. So you are a genius, I must say. I've always thought I, I got I it swear, from somewhere, so, yeah. I swear on my wife's life that I haven't seen it before either. <laughs> and that's the same person. So she's yeah. in big trouble. Yeah, she's in big trouble if we're lying. both of us yeah. are lying. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, it's the classic thing. I mean, first of all, the, the you know, this anecdotal evidence is not any evidence at all. And certainly the plural of anecdote is still not data. I mean, basically anecdotal evidence, that kind of anecdotal evidence is where you go, okay, there's all these anecdotes coming in. So let's see if there's any truth to them. Well, let's see what's go Let's try and find out what's going on. So that would be the when that would happen is when you'd start saying to yourself, okay, as you know, a research scientist, you go, something's going on here. Let's see if we can figure out what it is. So that would be where you start forming a hypothesis. But she hasn't done that. Well, they haven't just done that. The people who are on that kind of autism side haven't done that. What they've done is they've said, ah, there's a cause there because the parents have said this, and that's that's the end of it. And then it doesn't even matter what studies are done or what the scientific evidence says. It's irrelevant. They've made up their mind beforehand. And so when some, when some evidence comes in that shows that it's not true, it's irrelevant. Whereas real science goes, okay, this is the beginning of a hypothesis. Maybe we can get a research program out of this. Now let's see if there's a real effect there. And again, it's just simply a case of the individual parents are seeing this and they're thinking, okay, their sample of one and all those samples of one are combined together, but they have not been able to do proper controlled experiments. Real scientists get to do that. The other, the other thing about, um, I was going to say about um, her, um, is that she, even in the face of evidence to the contrary of what she's, she's, she believes, the more time and notoriety she gets in, in, in relation to the position she's taken, the more cognitive dissonance will stop her uh, from taking on board the new evidence and f from reversing her position. So the, so the more time, money, effort she's invested in this position she's taken, and that goes for all the others in her category as well, the less likely they are to have an open mind to evidence that uh, negates their position, and that, that's cognitive dissonance. They, they can't. The thought that they've expended all that time and energy is too, is too much for them, and so they must maintain their position. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that is a real issue. Once you've invested it, time and money and your reputation on a particular position, it's irrelevant. So the the data won't fit, and especially if you're not open-minded. So she's closed-minded to the possibility that she could be full of crap. Um, you know, and people who are who are full of. Shit. Um, are very much tend to be the ones who are closed-minded, and I mean that's that's one of my my responses to people. You know, people who call skeptics closed-minded, I say no, no, not at all. Perhaps you haven't considered the alternative, which is you're closed-minded to the fact that you could be full of shit, and that well, know, I, I, I throws them off guard. They go, oh, hang on, that. Uh, you know, if, if you say that to them, yeah, they would see <laughs> yeah, the truth and they'd say, oh, oh, yeah, you're right, I'm full of shit. Yeah. yeah, they go. Oh, you have that's, such a way with words, <laughs> you silver-tongued bastard. <laughs> you sweet-talking bastard. <laughs> yeah. No, and I mean the other one is the 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 appeal to mummy's intuition. You know, so there's the other appeal to intuitions, always a common one people use. And and the point I say is, well, 
again, intuition could be a, a starting point for a research program, but the, the beauty of science is we get rid of the confounding variables to get to the truth, and a lot of the time people's intuitions are wrong. You know, in all those police shows where they start, oh, I go with my gut, and you think, well, that's yeah. a sure-fired way to make a mistake. You know, your gut is the thing that, that maybe you start with, but it's not the thing you, it's not the thing you do what you're thinking with and, and you end up with, otherwise you're bound to, you know, make mistakes. Well, if you go mistakes. with your gut, you're bound to be full of <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> Maybe yeah, certainly yeah. down in the uh, lower lower part of the gut. Um, yeah, well, okay. So that was our uh, look at Jenny McCarthy, uh, the first part of anyway, because there are so many more um, fallacies and different types of humbug she spouts in the entire interview that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks, um, and also cross post just that little bit of the video with our analysis of it uh, on YouTube. So make sure you have a look at that and forward that along to people. Um, our numbers of subscribers, they're steadily getting up there. So get all our listeners. Um, we've got a few Europeans, some Germans, lots of Americans, some Australians. We've even got a few people from China. So I don't know how to say hello in Chinese, but well done for getting past uh, your so yeah, ridiculously large that, firewall. Can I say hello in um, Chinese is hello. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll probably get in trouble for that. <laughs> Um, yeah, look, and so where, though our numbers are rising, the more help we get, so feel free to spam everybody you know and send a link to our podcast. Um, at the very least, if you've got a dig account or a stumble upon account, there's a, a, a link on the website to dig us or stumble us um, or any other kind of social networking. And, of course, the um, main way you can help is by voting for us and writing us a review on iTunes. I'm even going to be so helpful as to put up a link on how you can do that. Um, don't forget also there's the ebook edition of Humbug and so you can head to scribed.com uh, and you can actually add it or say you like it and again the more you do that the more it gets promoted on Scribed. Um, Scribed also just another reason to join up is they've got a bunch of other free ebooks although I can't condone all of them because some of them may have copyright with the original owners e.g. there's books there by Richard Dawkins, um, Dan Dennett and all those type of people um, so I cannot condone that because it's copyright infringement but there's, that might be another reason to go along there. Um, if you're not a scribed member, then to create a, um, to actually download the PDF of the book, I think you need to create a scribed account. So if you don't want to do go through that hassle, I did also put a link on the website to a, just a downloadable PDF version of the ebook too. So please uh, help us out by spreading the word, by linking to us, by voting for us on iTunes or other RSS feeds, um, and Feel free to comment on the on the website or send us a an email, uh, especially if you've got a fallacy you want us to look at or you've got an idea or something or you've seen a clip on YouTube or something like that that you think's got some fallacies in it and you think could be good for us. Uh, you know, YouTube's a gold mine for things like that, so send me a link to that and I can have a and look see, at it. See, I've just you. got to say that I, I'm the most resistant person I know to high pressure salesmanship, but I'm going to do everything you said. Then mm. it was so convincing. Or you are, because I'm going to come. I'm going to go yeah, into your house. I'm going to make yeah, I'm you going to do everything. I'm going to do that dig stuff and all that, and clicking on those things, and reviewing. Uh, you'll have to show me how to do it. That's all. Okay. Download iTunes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I actually don't. I actually really don't like iTunes that much, but I, but because it's what you got to do with the podcasting, yeah, you, you you're kind of locked into it. But oh, it is handy in many ways. But there's some things about it that are annoying. Plus, it does seem to crash on my computer. But that's neither here nor there. Okay, well, make sure you come back next week for a continuing uh, thing on Jenny McCarthy, and I'll talk to you later, Dad. Yep, see you next week. Okay, bye. 
So that was the original episode on false cause correlation error. Hopefully we'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode. Also, don't forget you can buy a copy of the ebook Humbug the Skeptic's Field Guide to Spotting Fallacies and Deceptive Arguments for about four bucks. Uh, if you go to the website, www.skepticsfieldguide.net, uh, links are there. There's also free versions of the original. So this is the second edition. That's four dollars. The original, uh, paperback is not, no longer for sale, but you can get original ebooks, uh, of the first edition for free also. So there's, um, free versions available for download as a Google PDF of the original paperback and also of a PDF of the original ebook. But if you want the second edition, you can get it from Amazon. Google Play, Apple iBooks, and also for a DRM-free version, you can get it from Lulu um, for about $4. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast um, via iTunes or other podcast apps like um, my personal favourite, Pocket Casts. Um, and uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye.